This week on the Magnificently Huge Podcast, we've got brain fever, or what they call in Austria, Kopfischlagen. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Welcome everyone once again to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. My name is Brian, and this week my friends Chris and Eric will be joining me for a trip down memory lane, a little lost classic on VHS from 1991 called Soap Dish. Soap Dish starred Sally Field and Kevin Klein and a whole bunch of other people you've seen, including a pretty drugged up Robert Downey Jr. And uh, you know what? We watched it again, and if you want to know how that went, check the show notes for the timestamps and figure out uh, when we start talking about it, or stick around for the fresh shit where we're going to talk about uh, more recent things we've been watching, seeing, and doing, including Ant-Man and the Wasp Mania. As always, uh... Go to our website, maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. You'll find links to all of our social media feeds, ways to email us, and we are always looking to grow the show, so please subscribe to the podcast, share it on your social media feeds with your friends, and rate us on your podcast app of choice. All right, it's another week. Let's get to it. Welcome to my midlife crisis. It's the Magnificently Huge Podcast. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Eric, I think we should make bumper a... stickers out of that. Uh, I guess. But you've been having a midlife <laughs> crisis. Show art. Yeah. Eric's been having a midlife crisis since he was about 15. So, <laughs> you know. That's because I was hoping it was over soon, and it just never yeah, right? was. No, it just keeps going endlessly, mercilessly, <laughs> on and on. Why do like this podcast, honestly? Uh, who wants to do introductions while we're here? Uh, I'll, I'll do one. Okay. My name is Brian. Hey, Brian. Hi. This is Chris. This is Eric. <laughs> You're a little low, <laughs> slow on the uptake there. Is it your midlife crisis slowing you down? What's going uh, on? Maybe I should. Yeah, I don't know. My timing's All off. Right. Come on, energy man. This is Whatever. Eric. Yeah. Yeah, Hi, it is. Eric. Hey. <laughs> Middle oh, name. All right. Danger. So can, I, can, yeah. I, can I start us off with something really stupid? I, I, I mean, I love finding things from my childhood that are intensely stupid. And uh-huh. this one, I forgot about completely. Okay. How much do you remember about television in 1979? Everything. It was horrible. Chris, Chris remembers a lot about Yeah, television. yeah. Right. <laughs> That's like literally all I did was watch TV. I don't even think yeah, I went was, to school. It was a horrible time. It was uh, <laughs> the best things were Taxi and WKRP in Cincinnati, and Knott's Landing was a big deal. No, uh, no, but there was seventy nine. Seventy nine was when uh, Battlestar Galactica started, right? Nope, as Gal- Galactica nineteen eighty, the knockoff. Oh, uh, then I'm thinking of Buck Rogers. Mm-hmm, Never mm-hmm. mind. Yeah, the one where they couldn't get uh, uh, a Starbuck and Apollo, so they got some of some guy and <laughs> the other guy from Adam Twelve. Yeah. Uh, that. who okay. was not, yeah, Martin Milner. Anyway, no, uh, that same year, fucking awesome, horrible show, uh, starring Andy Griffith called Salvage One. Yeah, About a, a junk yes. dealer who builds a spaceship out of junk. 
like like yeah. out of a, 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 a I think a gas hauler and an upside down cement mixer as the capsule <laughs> and like goes to space. It's based on a TV movie where where he builds a rocket ship, goes to the moon to salvage all the shit that they left there on yeah. the moon landings yeah, and brings yeah. it back. It's good. Times. Here's the clip. I want to build a spaceship, go to the moon, salvage all the junk that's up there, bring it back, sell it. So he put together a team, an ex-astronaut, a fuel expert. They built a rocket ship, and they went to the moon. Who knows what they'll do next? Really? Oh, oh yeah. You don't God. remember this, Brian? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No. I remember uh, the, uh, the launch scene was especially spectacular. Wow. Because it was a lot of like jarring and blah, 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 blah. Uh, it, well, here, put it in terms you guys can understand. It's kind of like when they launched the rocket in uh, that Star Trek movie with the Borg, whichever one that one's called. First contact. They came to yes. stop first contact. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly like that. Basically, that's Salvage One done Star Trek style, if I'm remembering it correctly. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. But worse. Is this actually, are we doing fresh shit here? Or is this oh, we just, started a while oh, ago. No, yeah. I was just sharing no something said the stupid. I was just okay. sharing stupid, but I guess I guess it's yeah. fresh shit. Sure. No, no, no. So, let's let's do actual fresh. shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. Did you actually watch this, All Eric, right. or just like clips? I well, okay. Um, wait a second. Fresh shit. This shit is fresh. Okay, so this week I watched Salvage One, uh, a 1979 uh, TV show that was on ABC, and uh, yeah. it's it's okay. It's on Crackle. It's streaming on the platform Crackle, which is the failed Sony uh, free streaming service. Uh, but you know it'll play commercials, but you can watch yeah. a lot of really dumb shit. And if you don't mind Dude. watching the same T-Mobile commercial over and over, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> I think, it's uh, good to I, have on I think when Rip, it's just as background. I think Riptide's on Crackle as well, if memory serves. Although that oh, might be Tubi. There's so many that if just Salvage show all one of that is on, crap. Then yeah, I think there's a yeah. whole wealth of like crap TV shows that are they're not public domain, but they're the ones that whoever owns it is willing to farm it out to like Pluto and Crackle and whoever. Oh yeah, as yeah. extra content. I'm kind of yeah. pretty sure that's how Shutter stays on the air. It's just like grabbing <laughs> up other people's stuff. Yeah, but yeah, like, like if you want something on to remind you of how we are in the golden age of television, watch something from like the dark ages of television, like South yeah. One. It's oh, a mind opener. I like the crossover though because <laughs> it's got uh, it's got the dad from Silver Spoons in it. Uh, is that who later. that is? Yeah, Joel Higgins, who would go on to do uh, the Silver Spoons with uh, what's her face, uh, Wilma Deering, Aaron from Gray. The Buck yeah, Aaron Gray from the Buck Rogers Show, which was out at the same time. Yeah, it's like a connection for you, and had the but, same. I think the same effects team because it looks like the same kind of model work <laughs> yeah. for that ship. It's crazy. I can't believe yeah. Richard Jackal's in it though. Like, what happened to his yeah. career? Good lord. He was he was like the the sort of uh eternal bad guy of the late seventies, early eighties. After Starman, yeah. we never saw him again. I figured he died of cancer like everybody. Probably. Who knows? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh so But so, anyway, yeah. that's yeah, not I what know. I was that's what I not what I meant to fresh shit, but I just did that <laughs> because okay. I had please, to please freshen yeah, yeah. our shit. Yeah, yeah let's okay. go. Do it. Okay. Uh uh Wafting. so in keeping with Wafting. television shows, uh uh, uh another really uh 
not not as bad of a TV show, but just ho-hum is The Rest of Us. I don't get the hype. Not at all. The it's Last of Us. The Last of Us? The Last of What did I say? <laughs> yeah, the Rest of Us. The Rest of Us. <laughs> Which oh, is okay. basically us. Yeah, The Rest of Us That's, don't like The Last of Us. I think, I think actually The Rest of Us works better because it's like take every... <laughs> sort of Walking Dead-like zombie show that we've had for the past 10 years. Well, this is the rest of them. This is like the, you know, it's it's like taking up the tail end. Um, yeah. It's just another manipulative end-of-the-world zombie show, only this time the zombies are like half mushrooms. The mushrooms have, have you know, there's a spore that takes over people and merges with them, and they, yeah. they're like spore zombies. And I'm like... I've seen this. I've seen this so yeah. many times. And I yeah. love I love apocalypse fiction. I even have liked zombies until they got done to death. Ha ha ha. But hmm. enough. It just enough. Wow, yeah. even Eric is it enough with the zombies. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean I'm like, there's I mean, nothing so new the thing, here. The yeah. thing about this that that the reason it's getting all of the chatter is that it was a very popular video game. And in terms of actually doing narrative and characters and stuff in video games, this was kind of a landmark event 10 years ago on the PlayStation 3. Um, you know, it was it, it was seen as sort of like video games being taken more seriously, and it was this very, you know, sort of somber story, and the characters were, you know, deep for video games 10 years ago. Uh, and People are are forgetting all of the other good video game adaptations and are saying this is the first good one, but no, it's not. There have been plenty of good video game adaptations at this yeah. point, and people are just yeah, well, whatever. I'm, I'm with but, you there. But I that's have, where the the hype is yeah. coming from. I have this image of the writers' room for this show, and they're sitting around laughing their asses off, like, "How do we make this even more derivative?" And then one of the writers, who's like a particular genius, says, "Oh, oh, I got it. Okay." Pedro Pascal is going to star in it, and he's going to guide a child somewhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Why is that derivative? Go watch Mandalorian, you fool. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Have you seen uh, the recent when he hosted Saturday Night Live where they did? <laughs> it's uh, me, Mario. Yeah, they did the Mario Kart <laughs> trailer, but like as an HBO, like gritty, yeah. dark. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the yeah. funniest things I'd seen in a while. Oh, you should go check it out, Perfect. Brian. We'll we'll drop a clip in if we can. The only thing we have left, hope. I have important cargo I need smuggled to Rainbow Road. People say you used to drive. People say a lot of things. You got a name? It's a me, Mario. But yeah, it's. It undercuts everything about The Last of Us. It's just like Pedro Pascal just sort of winking, going, yeah, whatever. I'm in every franchise now. Blow me. <laughs> That's pretty much yeah. it. Uh, it's true. He was in uh, 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 Game of Thrones first. Yeah. And he was yeah. in, uh, briefly, in the Wonder Woman thing. The, the yeah, one Star we won't Wars. speak of. He's in Star Wars with the Mandalorian. Yeah. He doesn't uh, have a Marvel yet. Uh, and he hasn't yet. been in Trek. But and, we're working and on it. And definitely, definitely check him out in um, the uh, Kingsman. Oh, Kingsman. Unbearable weight of of massive talent. Uh, the Nicolas Cage movie. <laughs> oh right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Also, yeah, I forgot he's in the Kingsman sequel too. He's in everything. Oh, Narcos. You know what? Narcos yeah. is is the best for him though. Yeah. Season one and two of I'm, Narcos. 
I mean, why are we why are we ragging on this guy? Like, good for you, Pedro Pascal. Way to get work and be awesome. Oh, yeah. No, I don't have ragging a problem. on yeah. him. Yeah, I'm just saying that this this uh the the rest of us is like the I know I did it on purpose that time. The rest of us is like the same thing as Mandalorian in a in an almost creepy way. The only difference is he doesn't have like a chrome spaceship, but otherwise. In the third episode he does get a Chevy S10 truck. I'm not sure if that counts. Right. Um but yeah, and the other the other show I'd like to I'll just very quickly um oh boy you, you ever, you ever, you ever have like, uh, uh, like years ago, a girl that you dated and then broke up with and dated and broke up with. And it's like, every time you're like, oh, I shouldn't get back together with this girl. Oh, I guess I'm gonna. And then like two weeks later, you're like, you bitch. And you're like, you know, going out the, that is my relationship with the TV show, uh, Star Trek Picard, which has, season oh no, three right now. Oh, oh no. Uh, it yeah. always starts like with an episode or two that's pretty good and gives you hope. And then it just goes way down into like the center of a very stinky asshole. And then it like goes away. And I haven't even actually watched the end of season two. I was so just, I hate you know, this. this I, I, I hate it. I didn't even watch season two at yeah. all because season one pissed me off so yeah, bad. And I, I'm like, I'm like, they're trying so hard. The entire next gen cast is back. And it's yes. like, you know, it, you want to, you know, you want to. I keep seeing on, the big boy. ads for yeah. it. And it's basically, it's like Riker doing his thing to Picard. But it basically looks like a really pale imitation of when Bones is talking to Kirk in Star Trek 2. It's like that uh-huh. dynamic. I'm like, that's what they're doing okay. with this thing? Come on. That's, I'm glad you brought that up, because here's the deal. I watched I watched a lot of uh, sort of videos around you know, the behind-the-scenes stuff for season 3 after I watched the first one, because the opening is Wrath of Khan. The, <laughs> there there are oh all sorts God. of lifts from the Wrath of Khan, and I'm like, Oh my God! They're ripping off the Wrath of Khan. They're they they they're even some of the same music cues. They have um, a ship that is that looks not unlike the Enterprise from you know the movies. I'm, I'm like, mm-hmm. They're really riffing on the movie. I think they said if we're gonna steal, let's steal from the best. And for Star Trek, nothing gets better than Wrath of Khan. But it's fucking crazy how much they're stealing from this. Uh, but they're also <laughs> stretching it out. Uh, and then I read this thing that where he's the guy, the showrunner is like, I always felt that next generation never really got a Star Trek six, you know, a, a sign off, a, a full, you know, like conclusive end that was satisfying. And I'm like, Oh, that's what this is. And so I guess it's just all Nicholas Meyer stuff. They're ripping off because he did two and six. <laughs> probably and probably just to make things even like more like on the nose the bad guy sits you know it, on the big alien spacecraft that's gonna fuck him up in the end of the second episode is amanda Plummer, daughter of christopher Plummer, who oh, was wow. the bad guy from star <laughs> trek 6 it's like right wow i have it and set sail the dogs of war yeah yes. okay. it's, yeah, yeah. it's okay. like it's 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 crazy how incestuous this whole thing has gotten, and yeah. it looks great, and I kind of like it, and I can't wait to be utterly disappointed by it. <laughs> I'm I'm circling watching it. Like I've been watching Strange New Worlds, which did the thing where they you know two or three episodes in they do the episode where everybody gets sick and it sucks. 
Uh, so it's it's very much a first season of a of a real Star Trek series, and I'm kind of enjoying that. But Picard, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, like like you said, I've been so burned, yeah, <laughs> by this show. Yeah, I it's it, that's what I'm saying. It's like I keep I keep going back because it has great tits, and then two weeks later, yeah. I realize she's crazy. Because yeah. you're a junkie and Aww. you need your junk. We should name our <laughs> yeah. first child red green. Exactly. That's an inside, That's an inside exactly. joke from one of Eric's crazy ex-girlfriends. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Who, who okay. I, might, I might point out, great tits. Uh, yeah. So that's what I had uh, uh, for, for this, this fish. Yet, <laughs> what you it's got, no, Chris? It's, it's no salvage one. I will grant you. <laughs> uh, I swear, if you can get, if you can, if you can actually sit and watch it for five minutes, you're a better man than I, Gunga Din. But I left it on as background noise and kept like fading back into it, going, "Oh shit, they really made this. They yeah. made, they uh, made twenty episodes. Clip of it. They yeah, made yeah. twenty episodes, but they only aired sixteen. Ugh. It's Ooh, all, yeah, it always, couldn't even salvage yeah, yeah. one of those. <laughs> bump, bump, bump. That's good. Okay, Brian Chris, with the Chris, dad joke wins. Bing. Go. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I too just have been watching a bunch of crap because I've just lost all uh, gumption uh, entertainment. I'm just tired. But I will say this, uh, uh, Momentous, I've canceled Netflix because fuck them. There's just literally good nothing, on, nothing wow. on Netflix ever when I go nice. over there. I feel like it's perfunctory that I have to go over and find something to watch, but nothing is ever interesting to me. It's like any show that trying, they put on. Tanya can't yeah. believe it. Yeah. I mean, anytime they put on a new show that's halfway decent, it's gone after like one season for no reason. It's like, well, why do that to us? Because uh, nobody in the world has any actual taste. Chris, I, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, Netflix is basically okay. the, the new blockbuster of streaming services. I mean, they just they're terrible. Like, none of their content is interesting. It's just, like, lowest common denominator, like, populist bullshit, and it's just, I can't, I, I don't understand why they do that, and I'm not paying them anymore for it, so buy Netflix. I think Netflix got a good name early on when they were the only ones buying content mm -hmm. for streaming, but now yeah. that every major studio has their own streaming service, yeah. they don't have any options to pick up. Like they, Oh, there's this... They used There's to have all Star Trek before there was a uh, CBS yeah, yeah. on Access or Paramount Plus. Yeah, before the studios wised There's up. There's this great Wired that. article, Wired article called the the oncoming inshitification of TikTok, <laughs> and it it's a long read, but it's so good because it describes the Netflix cycle and the inshitification of every other thing. Where it's like at first they're just trying to gain, you know, audience, and so it's optimized to you know for you the user. And then it becomes optimized for the advertisers, and eventually it becomes optimized just for the platform holder. Like, right. And it talks about how Amazon went through this inshitification curve, and Netflix has done it. And it's definitely a good read. Uh, look that one up. There's anyway, a great cool. Adam. Yeah. What, uh, there's a great Adam uh, ruins everything video uh, he has now on how um, uh, mergers are ruining everything, and he goes into how all television is getting fucked by mergers because yeah. somebody buys the company and then they instantly want to reduce the the costs and so they yeah. cancel all the shit they were working on and so as discovery buys HBO <sighs> yeah yeah the rest of us is probably the last uh HBO sort of um you know the, 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 what do they call these things the premiere dramas the yeah, yeah, yeah. The must Whatever. watch TV is probably the end of it because well, now, you know, you're going to have HBO 
content next to like my goofy ice trucker bride or whatever yeah, the fuck yeah. they show well, naked and discovered. haunted or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, please fresh it. <laughs> uh, well, just to, to piggyback on what Eric said though. Yeah. The, the, all these conglomerates that are sort of sucking up all of these platforms and merging them. So HBO with the discovery thing is going to go quick. I'm interested to see how that's going to play. Cause they obviously don't know what they're doing there. Um, it's and, like the best streaming service, so they have to ruin it. Yeah, yeah. And then, so and then the Hulu Disney Plus, uh, whatever thing. That one's kind of getting played out too. It's it's just like I'm. That's why I want. We wind up watching shit on Crackle or Tubi or TV because <laughs> it's just like Space fuck one. It. Yeah, I'll just watch a bunch of bullshit that's just you know fed to me. I don't care anymore. So that's why I can't. <laughs> uh, but that said, I did watch something which it was okay. Uh, it was a music documentary uh, about Rick James that came out like two years ago. Uh, it's called Bitchin', The Sound and Fury of Rick James. And no it basically way. just, yeah, it just, nice. it, it chronicles his, uh, his early years, his rise, and then his, you know, fall. I mean, it's a typical documentary arc. Uh, I mean, it's just like, you know, Elvis or any of that shit. And then, you know, they got the normal talking heads from his contemporaries. So you get like Niles Rogers from Chic, and you get Boots of Collins from Funkadelic. And... I'm Rick James, bitch. Well, they t- yeah. they they touch on that at the end, where he basically, because of the Chappelle thing, like he became sort of a cartoon version of Rick James, and all his old bandmates are like, "Fuck that! That's not him. That's just a cartoon. Mm-hmm. That's just sad." Uh, but they he were, leaned in. They were gonna was, make. Yeah. Uh, Dave Chappelle was gonna make a a Rick James biopic, but like a funny one until he died. Yeah, yeah. that would have been so awesome. It would have been good, but uh, but honestly, after seeing the documentary and uh, whatnot, I mean, the the Chappelle thing was not that far off the mark for what Rick James was like <laughs> all the time. The man was just on a, on eleven yeah. all the time. Well, they weren't I mean, making that crazy. stuff up. That no, was no. those were actual stories of yeah. Charlie Murphy witnessing him. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, it was. But it's also very sad because he was just he was so wholly addicted to cocaine and drugs and this and that, that he could never get out of that spiral. And that's what ultimately killed him. Um, but I mean, his music is just stellar and it's like what he called punk funk. Cause it's like, it's funk, but it's got that hard edge to it. And it's all about sex and doing dirty stuff. And it's just, you know, just, it's so good up for that era. I mean, I just, I click on a Rick James tune and I'm like, yeah, that's fucking yeah. yeah. And not just like Super Freak, but I'm talking like, you know, street songs or any of that stuff. Like, like Super Freak, like they touch on it in the movie. It's like one of the critics is basically saying, yeah, Super Freak was like, that was the song from Rick James you would get when you'd go to a frat party and all the white kids would go <laughs> crazy. And then they go back to their rock and roll. He's like, it's just, I hate that song so much. <laughs> it's one of the critics. It was really funny. <laughs> uh, but fun fact, this is the only reason I bring it up because it's, it's a decent doc, but it's not as good as like uh, what Edgar Wright did for Sparks. That's probably the best music doc in the last like five years or so. But, uh, but I did not realize that Rick James grew up in poverty in Detroit or not Detroit, Buffalo, New York. And then uh, he, when he turned 18, he was like middle of the 60s. So like most of his friends, he, he joined the service because it was Vietnam War. So they either join or get drafted. So he was in the Navy, but it was such bullshit because he couldn't handle the authority that he just went AWOL. And he like went to Toronto. And he lived in Toronto, and that's where he started most of his uh, early music. 
And he was in oh, a band. Yeah. I shit you not. He was in a band called the Minor Birds with uh, with fucking uh, Neil Young. And uh, okay, and yeah, and uh, Bruce Palmer, who were the two guy, two of the founding members that were going to do Buffalo Springfield. Rick James was in a oh, fucking wow. band with them called the Minor Birds, and they got signed mm-hmm. to Motown. And it all just sort of fell apart, and then Rick James got ratted out by one some like uh, executive who just didn't like his attitude, and so he ended up in the Navy brig for like three years before he got <laughs> released, and then like was a journeyman musician until he finally figured out how to do that uh, Rick James thing in the late seventies. It's crazy, crazy stuff. But uh, if you like music docs, I recommend it. It's called Bitchin', The Sound and Fury, Rick James. Bitch. Nice. So, and I think it's on, uh, uh, where did I watch it? I think it's on, uh, Amazon Prime, but it's some, like, do they go time. into, okay. do they go into him, like, taking that woman prisoner? I remember something about, yes, like, yeah, yeah. Force- cause that, cause yeah. that leads to his, uh, his imprisonment. Uh, and then he cleaned up cause he couldn't do drugs for like three years or whatever. And then he gets out and then he just spirals back into it. I mean, this is crazy. The man lived a life, I'll tell you that. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. He's never getting out of jail. I mean, no. holy shit. <laughs> yeah. No, they cover it. They cover it. All the highlights. What they don't cover, and this really upset my wife, was they, they didn't even touch on the fact that he, uh, at one point, had, uh, had dated What's-Her-Face from The Exorcist, Linda Blair. She's like, where was Linda Blair? I'm like, he dated yeah. Linda Blair? She's like, oh, yeah. It was like a big thing. Don't even touch on it. It's crazy. So, voila. <laughs> so, there you go. Fucking That's great. what I've got. It's no salvage one. But, you know, it's fun. What is? Yeah. Really? Yeah. All right. Well, I'll go. So I, I, I mentioned this to you guys on Slack, but uh, Mark Marin finally, after COVID, has a new comedy special, <laughs> and it's on HBO, and it's called Mark Marin from Bleak to Dark. And man, and, is it. Oh, man. This is like exactly the comedy special for me. <laughs> right now like he, he he starts the show by saying i don't want to be negative but i don't think anything's going to get better ever again <laughs> <laughs> and i'm in i'm yeah. like oh yes bring it mark <laughs> yeah yeah it's it was yeah. good. i mean I, I watched it i mean I'd, I'd circled it uh but i hadn't pulled the trigger but after you had brought that up i i ended up watching it and he does like a whole bit of like, well, a good chunk of the special is just him uh, talking about his grief over his partner, Lynn Shelton, yeah. uh, dying during, during COVID. But it wasn't because of COVID. It was some undiagnosed thing. But the whole middle part where he tells, like, the darkest, darkest, darkest joke ever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to give it away. You just have to watch <laughs> he, it. But he, he's like... He, he does, just to get comedy out of the death of his partner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's fucking funny. I did not know anybody could pull that one off because it's just dark but yeah he goes there and he pulls it <laughs> off it was great yeah i don't want to spoil any of it either it's you know it's it's a it's a comedy special it's like an hour or less it's on hbo check it out yeah. um it reminded then, me if you have you seen the uh the other one the the new one from Patton oswalt called we all scream yeah <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes it's yes it's, I have. it's it's kind of a similar flavor Patton oswalt's a little bit more congenial and uh happy <laughs> but it's kind of the same like dark flavor it's like basically we're all just yeah. fucked but mark maron just took this, it yeah took it to the he's next got level. this great story about his about his wife dying because he had to touch on that 
Yeah. And all I'll give you is <laughs> all I'll give you is the punchline to the story. Fuck it, you're a ghost. You can fly next to the car. Fifty <laughs> <laughs> year olds telling yeah. Gen X comedy. God damn yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Black. So, it's pitch. We knew it was going to go here. It's, it's gonna, like it's our good. souls. It's good. Yes. It's good. I love it. Anyway, um, you know what isn't uh, pitch black and also doesn't have a soul? It, Ant- it's Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania. Yeah. Speaking that of that, doesn't have Oswald. a soul, does it? No. No, it really doesn't. I've heard um, this thing is just a garbage fire mess that just has killed all the goodwill Marvel has built up post Endgame. So, it, okay, I can't help but think of through at, while I'm watching this, I I can't help but think about Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones while I'm watching it because <laughs> this is the progeny of Episode Two. Okay, the whole thing takes place in this green screen non-reality. Right, it the entire movie is like a giant cantina scene. Like there's so much <laughs> character and creature design. Like there's just like they've got the most batshit crazy character designs. Period. Like they go full Kirby on this thing. Um, but it's all just in the service of nothing. It's just it's the emptiest of calories. Um, they. They actually go for Modoc. They do Modoc in this movie. Yeah, which and it looks and it looks cheap from the stuff I've it, seen. It looks like it looks exactly like a Spy Kids effect. Oh it's, god. It's like straight out of Spy Kids. Oh, it, god. It's 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 bad. It's it's I, really bad. I mm, Sorry, I'm just I god damn it. I wish I wish somebody would have listened to Alan Moore on this that comic books are a different art form for a goddamn reason. Some of this stuff you can't do as a film. Yeah. But, I mean, it's all in the interest of fan service is basically Marvel's deal. It's like they've got the cash cow, so this is now literally, let's just throw everything at it so we can do this multiverse saga that no one's going to care about now because we just we it, bungled, it, bungled it out of the gate. It really feels like they kind of got screwed by the COVID production schedule, too. Like, this should have come out uh, right around the same time as Loki because it ties so closely to what's right. happening in Loki but it's been like a year and nobody remembers any of that um, I heard th- that so, it was going to end phase 4 but then somebody said it's not very good we need something better to end phase 4 <laughs> so what they end phase no, 4 it's with actually the first thing of phase 5 apparently yeah, yeah, but yeah. it really is phase 4 it's just a multiverse story it's really not even an Ant-Man movie it's actually a Michelle Pfeiffer uh, movie um, and Okay, so the the best part of it is Jonathan Majors as Kang the Conqueror. Um, so he's going to be fun to watch. And they do go, like, full stupid on Kang the Conqueror. Like, Kang, and, and this was true in the comics, but Kang is basically Rick from Rick and Morty. Yeah. In that there's, like, a <laughs> whole true. council of, of Ricks. Yeah, there's yeah. a whole council of Kangs. and. Okay. They're traveling through time fucking shit up, and that's what they're doing. They're going there. There's a lot of Kang. Interesting. Um, okay. Is it? Is it? <laughs> uh, Morty, I gotta go fight Ant-Man. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Ant-Man and the Wasp, seriously skippable. Like, totally inessential. I mean, I th- we think we- you'd be... You fi- have slightly more investment in the Black Widow movie. Yeah, 
Well, I mean, we touched on this when we did a, a Phase 4 show not too long ago, and basically the gist is it's like the, it just feels like they've given up. It's just everything's yeah. in the churn now because it just needs to be because it's just such a monstrosity of an entertainment machine. And it's like, eh, nobody but, cares. But, like, what's left for them? I mean, they, they, can't, they can't continue the story because it, you know, it doesn't appear to work. They can't create a new story because, you know, like Captain Marvel was supposed to be awesome because they were doing an origin story that didn't have to connect to anything else outside of it. They fucked it up completely. They, I think, I think the mojo's just gone. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, it's running out of steam. And, and even, I mean, like, this is, this is definitely a C grade movie. It's, here's the thing, like, they've never made an, Maybe the worst movie they've made was Thor: Love and Thunder. Even yeah. that, as an as a, an entertainment, is passable, you know. But in a sort of two out of five stars kind of way, it's like, yeah, it's fine, you know. This is also just fine. Yeah. There's there's no. You're right. There's no juice here. Yeah. So I I don't, I don't know, but I was really thinking this would be like they would. I I was thinking they would they would add stakes by killing Scott Lang. I was like that. You know, okay, they they have they've oh. grown some balls, but of course they didn't. They had they had two good ways to do it that would have been in service of the plot in this mm-hmm. movie, and they wimp out on us. It's it's yeah, but it's don't disappointing. Don't kill Paul Rudd. Come on, man. Come on. But but they had they had his younger female replacement in this movie all <laughs> yeah. queued up. So yeah, they've got yet another a, one. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's another that's thing about. That's another thing about Marvel I've noticed is that it is now replete with young women who build science in their bedrooms just because. Mm-hmm. What? Yes. Huh? Hey, come on, man. <laughs> Why Wait, not? Wait, what? Uh, yeah, yeah. Because, oh. All right. So, so basically yeah. just a, a big shrug from Brian on the Ant-Man and Wasp. Yeah, okay. it's, it's, I mean, again... Whoever did the the concept art and all these people who did these character designs, great work, guys. Like, seriously, the effects work, really fun. In service of the Captain Crunch of movies, the, the Star Wars Episode Two of the Marvel Universe. I mean, it's have, it's have, just Have you ever whatever. eaten a, a Kinder Egg? You ever had that candy? It's like a European uh, thing. Yeah, only once. Uh, yeah. And you'll never do it again, right? Because you're thinking, oh, candy comes with a prize. It's literally just like like putting in a chocolate shell and they give you just the shittiest tiny little microscopic plastic <laughs> toy. That's what it reminds me of. That's what I think Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania would be like. As a that's candy. a good, that's, that's a good comparison. Cause I think of those things. I'm like, that's really actually good chocolate on the outside, but it's very thin and very hollow. Yeah. But it's, it's good chocolate filled with on the outside. <laughs> but filled with goo, <laughs> just a bunch of goo. Okay. Uh, All right. Well, there you go. That's the fresh. <laughs> fresh, fresh, fresh. Wow. What a disappointing week. <laughs> Sorry. What are you talking about? I'm oh. going to go to the moon. I'm going to salvage. I'm going to I'm going to salvage one. It up. I'm Andy Griffith. I'm going to salvage one. Uh so Brian, this was your your choice today. Soap dish. Yeah. Uh tell us tell us why you chose the soap dish from 1991. Yeah, so I have so, so many thoughts. <laughs> this was this was one of those movies that um like opened in in a theater I was managing back in the 90s and I saw yeah. it then mm-hmm. and I vaguely remember liking it 
and I don't think I'd ever seen it again since it was in the theaters in 91. And, you know, we're, we're scrolling through all of the infinite choices of bad options, and yeah. that one jumped up. My wife had never seen it. I'm like, hey, let's watch it. It's a, it's a trifle. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, fired it up, and you know what? Soap Dish holds up. It's, it's actually funny. I've always enjoyed it, <laughs> I gotta tell you. It's, uh, it's a light yep. trifle, but it's fun. I no. think the reason it works, like one of the main reasons it works is that it's a Doris Day movie. It's a formula yes. that worked yeah, 30 yeah. years before it was made. You know, it's like we are, that movie is now as far away from Pillow Talk as we are now from Soap Dish. Yeah. And it's, it's a formula that still works. It's innocent. It's fun. Yeah. So, uh, so, so tell us the, uh, the, the plot. Do the plot. Tell us the yeah. story. Sal- Sally Field uh, is... An aging soap opera age star. Age 42, I might add. Of, age 42. Yeah, I Come know. on now. Kill me. <laughs> but, um, you know, she's she's the one who gets all the awards. She's like the Susan Lucci of this movie, right? Right. Um, and, and all of the young up-and-comers would like to take over the show, but she's in the way. Um, you've got a coked-up Robert Downey Jr. as the young producer. Yeah. You've got... Um, Whoopi Goldberg. Why he's Robert Downey from, Jr. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's, he's awesome. <laughs> it's like pre-Cherry Hatcher's like, in a bit part, but then you've got um, Kathy uh, oh, Moriarty. God, what's her name? Kathy Moriarty. Kathy Moriarty. Kathy Moriarty chewing but some then I'm scenery. To, Whoopi Goldberg is in it, but I'm trying to think of the, the Carrie, Carrie, Carrie Fisher, Fisher and Elizabeth Shue. Nope. Nope. Elizabeth Shue. Jesus, I could yeah. not get there. I couldn't wow. get leaving Las she's Vegas like the, out. She's like the third um, third build actor too. That's a good job, right? Yeah, but but. <laughs> Um, and Kevin the, Klein. The other, the yeah, Kevin Klein is the is the other major hitter. So it's really Sally Field and Kevin Klein's movie. Yeah, and this is Kevin Klein at peak Kevin Kleinness. Yeah, this is yeah, just after a fish called Wanda, uh, and and uh, he just eats the entire screen anytime he's on it. Like yeah. he is if, so Kevin yeah. Klein. If I, if Kevin I may, Klein, <laughs> yeah, Kevin Klein but, playing but, a bad actor is gold. I mean, yes. I mean yeah, the whole does everything the whole scene where he's <laughs> he's consigned to hell in Florida and he's doing dinner theater death yeah. of the salesman. It's Willie Loman, yeah. That and he fills like, the guy's water. Yeah, while he's that, doing yeah. That two minute scene is just it's the most cringe, but it's also one of the funniest bits in the whole movie because it's just like, man, I would shoot myself if that was me. <laughs> it was so terrible. Like people can't well, hear him. What did he say? Yeah. Ugh. And he's he's great at playing this like just shallow, self-serving guy who just pulls the same you know bag of tricks on any woman who will fall for it. Yeah, with and the hands. you have such you great know, hands. Just total insincerity. But yeah, basically he was, I guess, Sally Fields' fling back in the seventies on the show, and she had him kicked off the show, and they bring him back to drive her crazy. And the soap opera becomes a soap opera in real life. Like, what happens to these characters is soap opera plot worthy, and it it just gets silly. Well, you got to do the (laughs) thing, like, Kathy Moriarty's character, Montana Moorhead, uh, basically wants to take over the show. She feels she deserves to be the star. And so she wants to push out Sally Field, and so she conspires with Robert Downey Jr.'s producer to go behind Whoopi Goldberg's back, who's the head writer, to sabotage everything. To get rid of Sally Field, mm-hmm. and that's sort of the 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 plan in motion. But it just like like every other farce, it just falls apart almost immediately, and uh, like it basically becomes a thing. So they get uh, 
him back as Jeffrey Anderson, but they also get a, an act, a unknown actress to play a deaf mute that Sally Field's character is going to kill so that she'll look like a villain and have to blah, 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 blah. So it's like all this right. stuff. And then it turns out that the girl is Elizabeth Shue, who turns out to be her niece, uh, and shenanigans ensue. So it's like all the behind-the-scenes noises-off kind of nonsense uh, that you get from yeah, this kind of and farce. Honestly, I don't think I don't think Sally Field's been more entertaining than anything I've seen her mm. in. This is yeah. a f- amazing Sally Field movie. It's good. There's a there's a whole sequence where Kevin Klein is hitting on Elizabeth Shue's character, and Sally Field is like trying to keep him away from her, and she's like sneaking into his apartment and tr- and and. Elizabeth Shue may or may not be in the apartment, and there's, like, this incredible shot. Like, this scene goes on for, like, two minutes. It's all one shot. It keeps moving through the apartment, and people are framed in mirrors and doorways and, and whatnot, and it's it's and it's screwball farcical stuff, and the comic timing is just it's, intense. It's Sally Field and Kevin Klein just going off, it's one of it's my, amazing. It's one of my, it's probably my favorite line from Kevin Klein in the entire movie. And it's total throwaway, but it's like him and Sally Field, and he's like sitting on the couch as he's watching her do all her crazy shit. And then she finds like, "Why are you here?" He's like, "I live here. Why are you here?" Are you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's so Kevin Klein. It's so funny. Uh, yeah, uh, no, yeah. It. I I don't know what how to make a whole show out of this. Like, I'm not sure what we say about it other than it's a damn fun movie. But it's I mean, obviously a recommendation. I mean, yeah. yeah, I've I've tried to explain to people like I work with uh, some younger coworkers. We'll call them millennials. Uh, they have no idea what this movie is. I had to actually tell them about it, and I'm like, really? So it's I think it's one of those that did well enough at the box office, but didn't become like an instant smashola, and it has kind of fallen through the cracks a little bit. It's one of those underappreciated, under the radar comedies of the era, it's, and it's mm-hmm. too bad. And it's, it is, again, it makes me think of when I was in my 20s and uh, I can't remember who convinced me to watch Please Don't Eat the Daisies, you know, and, and that, that turned into Pajama Game. And it was like, yeah, it's that same, it's not, it's not the shit you're used to, but it's actually really good. Yeah. And it's just, it's just fun. I mean, it's just, you know, it, it doesn't take itself seriously one iota. And it's just basically, it, it almost punches low because it's making fun of soap operas, which had been done, it might have done a little bit better in movies like Tootsie, but it's still pretty good in this one. Uh, and so you get to see the the life imitating art, imitating life kind of bonbon, because it's like yeah. the actor's lives become so messy and so complicated that it starts to resemble an actual soap opera plot line. To the point where Whoopi Goldberg, the actual like, cast of contemporaneous yeah. entertainment tonight is on set yeah, yeah. covering as themselves the shenanigans. But yeah, and, but it, but it yeah. gets so crazy that Whoopi Goldberg is the head writer, just watching it unravel. Is like, why can't I write shit like this? <laughs> I mean, it's like that's that's the <laughs> that's kind of the flow through. Uh, and and of course they bring it to a to an ending where they're doing a live broadcast with an absurd soap opera plot, and they're trying to resolve all their differences by doing things to their characters that that aren't in the script. And Kevin Klein is nearsighted and doesn't have his glasses on and can't read the teleprompter, and so he's just screwing up every line. And it's yeah, it's it's great. It it, it ends on a high note. What I want to understand is. 
we you know we had a show and and it's a, it's been a theme that a lot of these older comedies just don't age well but this one did and i want to understand the difference like why does this work th- when a lot of others don't i think it's just mostly the charisma of the cast i mean it's just cuz you look at it, it's like do they even make soap operas anymore no like, they couldn't make this movie today. It wouldn't make any sense. Uh, maybe they do. I don't know. Do they? I don't think they do. I'm pretty sure they don't. Uh, mm. But I think it's just, it's, it's primarily the, the charisma of the cast. They're all very game. They're allowed to choose as much scenery as necessary, every scene. It's just, everything is just so over the top, like a soap opera. Right. And I think it just works in its favor. But it's charming. It's not like... Uh, like, if you've ever seen the John Candy movie Delirious, which is another one from the era, which is set around a soap opera kind of thing, where he's a writer and he bumps his head, he wakes up and he's in the soap opera and has to, like, figure out how to get out. It's not good. It's not a good movie. But yeah. this one is. I, uh, so, my I opinion know. is that this, this movie wasn't of its own time. Again, going back to mm. the whole Doris Day thing, they, they took a concept that had already aged well, and they just did it again. Yeah. So it's like we're okay. watching all something already old, but they had weeded out everything that wouldn't make sense and they added in some gay panic with Kathy Moriarty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Movie, movie's yeah. a little gay panic, a little transphobic. That part didn't age so well. It, yeah. It but, fl- what it, you gonna do? Yeah. And it flirts yeah. with the incest humor just slightly. It 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 yeah, but in a funny way. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, um, but I but, think, yeah, I think, I think for me it's, it's wit and it's timing, right? Like same, same thing for like the, the Catherine Hepburn, Spencer Tracy stuff, right? Like the, or bringing up baby or whatever, right? Like the, yeah. this is, this has just got that kind of pop, that kind of energy where it's the dialogue is funny. The, the slapstick isn't overdone, but it's there and the comic timing works yeah. and those kinds of jokes hold up the the sort of referential comedy, the commenting on the time period comedy, that doesn't, that doesn't stick, but mm-hmm. this stuff works all the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's a, it's a very weird thing uh, to me. Like I was reading up on it and just, and found some stuff out that I had no idea. So it's sort of like the, the deep dive Googler. Uh, Kevin Klein. Uh, got stuck doing reshoots on this thing, and he had to bow out of playing the main role in Hook, which Robin Williams took over. Now, Ooh. can you imagine what Hook would have been like with Kevin Klein as Peter Pan? Like that would have been a totally different movie. So, because of Soap yeah. Dish, it's like what? Uh, but also casting wise, it wasn't written for Sally Field. Uh, I think it was. Uh, oh, what's her name? Identical. Patty Duke was the original actress <laughs> uh, for Celeste. God, when did this start development? Uh, t- who knows? Uh, but Sally Field wound up with it. And then uh, at one point, Burt Reynolds was floated as the Kevin Klein character. But, Lon- but Lonnie Anderson basically told us, like, you're not doing this movie because you're going to be with Sally Field. And people will just <laughs> laugh at me. Everywhere we go, you can't do this movie. So Burt Reynolds didn't do it. So basically, that was the plot of Soap Dish playing out <laughs> basically, in the background of the production of Soap which, Dish. Which is just okay. crazy. I mean, it's like just reading stuff like that about the <laughs> casting. Like, You've got to be kidding. And then the Robert Downey Jr.'s producer character was originally written as like a 50-something-year-old man. But they're like, they just changed it for Robert Downey Jr. Because he's just got pep. Because it was right before he did Chaplin. He was on the rise. He, you could just see... 
the electricity in his performances and then it just all fell you apart see like the drugs yeah, all over yeah. his face yeah. <laughs> he's so high yeah. he's so great in this because he's like he I, yeah i can see where an older guy would make sense because he's experienced enough to know how to play everybody but robert downey jr is slithery enough in this that oh, he yeah. kind of he manages to get people where he wants them to be they don't necessarily do what he was hoping they would do but if you watch it, he's gr- he's perfectly manipulative and oh, gets yeah. everyone well, to kind of do what he needs th- or no needs, gets them where they need to be hoping that they'll do what he wants them to do. And then they don't. Yeah. yeah. He's I, like- I think the character wouldn't have worked with an older actor either, just because the character is completely motivated by horniness, right? Yeah, like yeah. he's just doing all of this because he wants to get in, uh, Moorhead's pants and yeah um i i mean i know that there are plenty of dirty old men out there but but nobody's that horny at yeah. well i like too that as, as they play him young you could see it's basically like he's a very ambitious young executive and i think that's sort of the underlying uh hint of his character and so you can see why he's making all of these poor decisions like really just dumb machiavellian maneuverings behind the scenes that just blow up and make things yeah. better somehow. And he's just like, he's an accident waiting to happen over and over, but it works in his favor. And it's just like, come on, the dude is just a <laughs> douchebag, but he's making yeah. all of this stuff happen because everybody's complaining about being in their rut and he's like blowing it all up <laughs> and it's working. It's just so weird uh, that it, hey man, douchebags make shit happen. Yeah. I'm, I'm I, seriously. I was actually thinking if this, if this whole movie had been about him, it would have been uh one, two, three with james cagney yes which yes. is basically a guy who works for the coca-cola corporation in west germany and all of the shit that like he has to handle that goes sideways that like sort of yeah it blows up and then reforms into something better yeah which is you know <laughs> which is the, exactly what happens here Yeah, which is the true nature of farce i guess uh but yeah dowdy jr is just fun you can i mean it's early but you can just sense something there and he also has one of my favorite lines ever. It's like when one of the many times when everything just collapses during uh, taping and like Sally feels going hysterical. Kevin Klein's lost his mind and Elizabeth Shue's stuck in the middle and it's like chaos. And it's like this one. He's just sitting in the seat and he's like looking around at people. He's like, this is fucking great. <laughs> it's just like so to the point. He's like, I, this is fucking amazing. <laughs> so <laughs> It's so dumb. So, so, so- very dumb. Yeah, um, I don't know. Maybe this is a short episode. <laughs> well, I mean, where um, where do you where do you find this fits into the comedies of that era? Like the one that I immediately thought of, uh, watching this again was uh, which came in a couple years later was Greedy with Michael J. Fox and Kirk Douglas. This kind of has that same. I manic- don't even remember that. Really, yeah, that's that's like that a, is. that's like another star-studded uh comedy weirdness uh where basically uh kirk douglas is the like the old matriarch or not the old patriarch like of a rich family uh who everybody thinks is sort of a feeble old man and then michael j fox is sort of like a, a a i don't know an estranged family member nephew or cousin or something uh, that has nothing to do with him, but he has to go back to try and 
get on I, his good side to make the money. As it's, you're describing it, I vaguely remember that I've seen this, but yeah. man, did it just immediately escape all of yeah, my brain I'm, cells. That's like, what I'm saying. It's like this, <laughs> the, like this and soap. It's like, there's so many movies with all these like star studded casts. Cause like greedy had Kirk Douglas, Michael J. Fox, Nancy Travis, Phil Hartman, I mean, Colin camp. I mean, it was is, like, what? Uh, this is contemporaneous with a lot of like worse comedies. Like this, this came out around the same time as Drop Dead Fred and Hudson Hawk and awesome. and, and yeah. shit like that. Yeah. Have right? you have like, you seen the uh, the clip from Siskel and Ebert at the movies where they do Soap Dish? Because that's the same episode mm-hmm. that they also do Hudson Hawk and Only the Lonely <laughs> with John Candy. And they love. I mean, they didn't like love love Soap Dish, but they were very positive about the whole endeavor. But then you get to Hudson Hawk, and it's just like they're like, I'll paraphrase, but it's what a piece of shit. I don't know what anybody was doing in this thing. You shouldn't bother. I mean, that's literally the review. And then they do Only the Lonely, which is somewhere in the middle. They're like, it's good, but I don't know. And so it was a, a, like a weird couple of weeks at the movies back there in 1991. It's just. <laughs> so this was crazy. like where, where Jim Carrey was becoming the big deal, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like. There, that all the comedies that still that don't actually translate anymore because they're all physical and they're all goofy and they're all tired. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, I just yeah, like you were saying, I just don't understand why this one isn't a bigger name comedy from the '90s because it's good, well, you know. Like even Fish Called Wanda has faded, right? Like Fish Called Wanda was an event at the time. Like, right. Everybody watched that movie. Everybody loved that movie, and. And it was a Kevin Klein again, just being awesome. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe maybe the world has just forgotten Kevin Klein. I don't know. Well, he was on a weird I think run. That's it. I mean, he was on a weird run around this time, uh, post uh, Fish Called Wanda. I mean, yeah, he- it was like that in January, man, and this, and In and Out, right? Like, that was kind of what he was doing. Well, In and Out came and, later, but yeah, he had done. Uh, well, just I'll just like yeah, I followed up Fish Call Wanted with January Man, which is like eh, okay, and then he did I Love You to Death, yeah. which is a another black comedy Lawrence Kansas Kasdan that's just forgettable. Uh, he Thank followed you. Soap Dish. Everyone yeah. I know seems to love that movie, and I'm like, no, you're wrong. You're not it's, watching movies correctly. That thing yeah, sucked. It's forgettable. <laughs> and then he did Soap Dish, followed by Grand Canyon, which is also a Kasdan film that is forgettable. Uh, that's another. That's like the drama version of Soap Dish. It's like got Steve Martin, Kevin Klein, uh, Danny Glover, Alfred Woodard. I mean, it's like. What oh, are, man. It's like what is going on in 1991 with the star-studded cast? I mean. Basically, what happens is Kevin Klein ends up marrying Phoebe Cates, and he's like, "I'm done. I've won at life, and I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, <out."> yeah." <laughs> I think yeah, he, he doesn't really. I mean, but he does a couple of good '90s comedies, which starts with Soap Dish. Uh, like Dave is not bad, and then uh, In and Out is pretty good. So it's like, eh. but then he ends the the decade with Wild Wild West, and it's just like you've eroded every bit of oh, goodwill. Shit, that's right. You, yeah, it was in that horrible thing. <laughs> but oh, what can you do? Jesus. Uh, anyway. But I but I uh, like I like Soap Dish because it's just, you know, it's pre-Chaplin RDJ. It's Elizabeth Shue right before she does Leaving Las Vegas and totally changes mm-hmm. the course of her career. She's no longer like the young, fresh ingenue. She's like an actual actress kind of a thing. Uh, and just one of those like weird pop-up roles for 
uh, Carrie Fisher, who just sort of didn't do a lot of work. I don't even think she's credited, is she? Yeah, she's yeah. certainly not in the opening credit. Yeah, like, she's, she's just she's there, there doing it because she's having fun. Yeah, she's there. Yeah, yeah she's, she's there. great. Uh, I mean, Kathy Najimy is an early role for her in this. Like yeah. Said, um, and then... Uh, Terry Hatcher's in the background doing, <laughs> yeah. you know... And then, uh, and then Gary yeah. Marshall just shows up as the daytime programming uh, CEO or whatever he, he does, the program director. Mm. And anytime he's in a scene in anything he's hilarious like him and his sister uh laverne it's just like they're fucking funny and he steals every scene that he's in in this thing which is like two or three and it's just it's like it just stops you in your tracks like so you start looking out like who's that and then like the the actor that carrie fisher is auditioning at the very very beginning it's costas mandalore who no one will remember uh, except us. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, what is going on in this movie? It is so just jarring of its time kind of thing. So I don't know, but it's fun. It's anyway, kind of chances are you've got Amazon prime, which means you've got prime video, which you never watch, but Hey, maybe check out soap dish while it's still there. Yeah. Cause yeah, it's, it's worth, it's worth your time. At least it's not Netflix. Damn. <laughs> All right. Well, this show is worth your time, but we're also going to be mindful of your time, so we're going to end it. Uh, Please. Check us out on our webpage. Go to maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. If that, that's how you can contact us. There's links to all the different socials and the whatnot, but importantly, subscribe to the podcast, share it on your social media feeds, uh, rate it on your podcast app of choice, and uh, come back next week. We got We got more hijinks. Oh, I forgot my favorite Elizabeth Shoe quote. You can you can come on my face, pretty much anything you want. Just keep it out of my hair.